Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Hey, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. I want you to look at the cross over here that our stage team built. Isn't that an awesome cross? Super cool. I want you to notice who is not on it. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's, he has uh, been risen from the grave, and that is really, really good news. We're going to talk about that this morning. I uh, want to echo a few things. First of all, uh, if you haven't had the chance on the VFC Thomasville app, we give you permission. Go ahead and take out your phone. You can download it now because the sermon notes are on the app. If you don't have it already, you can go to um, uh, Sunday at VFC inside the app and you've got the notes so you can follow along. Also wanted to let you know, we really, really, really want your prayers as our Pakistan team is leaving. We'll be leaving uh, Tuesday. Um, and uh, we will arrive very, very early in the morning, their time, Thursday morning and Thursday night. We are having a massive, uh, they call them prayer festivals. We're inviting um, around 250 villages to come, and it could, as far as how many people will be there, it's, um, it, they're thinking around 80,000 at least. Um, and so I'm telling you, and this is unreached people, they're going to hear about Jesus, most of them for the very first time. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, We really would love to keep you guys engaged with us. There is a secret Facebook page um, that you have to be invited in order uh, to be added. Because while we're over there, we don't want everyone knowing our business. And so, but we want you to know it so that you can pray. We'll actually be going live during the meetings so you can actually see them as they happen. Here's how you do it. You need to make sure you're friends with either me or Dylan Williams um, on Facebook and then shoot us a message through Facebook Messenger that you want to be added to the group and then we will add you, okay? Does that sound like a good deal? Sweet. All right. And then I'll be back soon and I'll get to tell you all about it, okay? Um. So, Easter. Easter is so much fun. You know, I used to not think Easter was a big deal. This is terrible. I, I, one time I was meeting, um, this is, I was in my 20s. I was suffering from um, ar- arrogant young man syndrome. I've pretty much gotten rid of that. Um, but someone, he was just being nice, and he was like, hey, man, big week coming up. And I was like, huh? And he was like, it's Easter. And I was like, huh. And I, I, I was nice, but what I thought was, I don't need a certain day to remind me of resurrection. I remember resurrection every day because I'm awesome, right? It's, again, it's just where I was. I'm, I'm way past that now. But I, seriously, Easter, I was like, ah, color coordinate your kids, hunt for eggs, whatever, not a big deal. But I love Easter now. I love it. It's, it's amazing. I love us all getting together and remembering the resurrection of Jesus. It is so foundational to who we are and to who he is, is the resurrection of Jesus. 
And so uh, I want to share with you real, real quick. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible about um, resurrection. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul is talking about resurrection. Uh, the entire chapter, it's a really long chapter. I encourage you to read that. But check this out. First Corinthians 15, 55, it says, O death. Where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Now, this is, he's probably quoting either a song or a poem that everyone would have known. And he's reminding them of this portion of it. And he's saying, O death, where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Now, the Greek word that's used, because the New Testament's written in Greek, is uh, for the word sting is the same word that you would use to describe what just happened if a flying insect stung you. Now, I've shared this before, but you might not know, I have an irrational fear of flying stinging things. Like, if you're ever talking to me and sharing your life story, and I start hearing buzzing around us, like, you're going to need to finish with someone else. Because I'll probably be moving out of the way. Uh, it's just like this visceral reaction that I have. It, it doesn't make sense. I've been stung before. It didn't even really hurt that bad. It's just for some reason. I think what it is, is I, don't, I think it's not fair that you can sting and fly. Like I feel like if you're on the ground, it's like, okay, cool. You can sting because you're on the ground. You want to, you know, ward off predators. But if you can fly, you can just fly away from them. Like, you don't have to sting. So I feel like it's just not fair that they can do both of them. But here's the thing. A couple years ago, my family, uh, we were in the mountains uh, one summer because I'd finally convinced my wife that there are other places to go besides the beach. And we're in the mountains, and uh, we come to this cabin, and uh, we're, you know, we're loading the luggage in and everything. I, I, you know, go and look at the, the back porch. It's a beautiful view. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, I see that there are bees everywhere. And I'm like, this is not good. Why, God? But then I realized that they're carpenter bees. Now, you may not know this about carpenter bees, but carpenter bees don't really sting. The male bees, uh, they don't even have stingers. The women do, ladies, but they don't even really use them. You have to really, really mess. You have to like, like thump the bee to get them to, to sting you, okay? And, and so they're, they're like really safe. And that totally changed how I interacted with them. You know, before I would be like avoiding the back porch, you know, but, but we would get up early and we would make coffee and, you know, do a Bible study together or just talk or whatever, uh, and like the bees would be flying around and it didn't bother me. I wasn't afraid. When, I remember uh, one little dude, he kind of flew up. He's like looking at me. I'm like, hey, bro, what's up? I'm not scared at all. Why? Because there was no sting. And so when Jesus rose from the grave, he took away the sting of death. You don't have to be afraid of death anymore. You don't have to be afraid of what comes next. We don't really die. We just change locations. As a matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon said this, Never fear dying, beloved. Dying is the last but the least matter that a Christian has to be anxious about. You, know, you don't need to be anxious about death. The sting has been removed. So I was praying about what to share, uh, you know, a few weeks uh, before in preparation for Easter. And, you know, we're going to talk about resurrection. We're going to talk about Jesus. But 
I was really, I began to think about all the people that I've come in contact with over the years that were just, they were convinced that God was mad at them. It just the way they acted, what they said, what they did, they were convinced that God was mad at them. And I thought Easter was a fantastic time to kind of address this mentality. Easter is when God willingly fixed a problem that he didn't cause. Jesus died on the cross because he wanted to. The cross shows us that God is not mad at us. He died on purpose for all people. Now, let me show you some scripture here real quick. Now, it's kind of a longer passage, so I'm going to have it up on the screen behind me. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. I'm reading it in the New Living Translation, so just follow along with me, and I'm going to kind of share as we read it. It says this, For God, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Now, that's an amazing concept. Just pause for a moment. Think about that. God, in all of his fullness, everything that makes God God, all of his godly attributes, his power, his might, his wisdom, his knowledge, all of these things, it's all, you condense it and you stuff it inside of a human, you get Jesus. And he was pleased for that to happen. There's no part of God. It's the fullness of God. There's no part of him that was left out of Jesus. God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace. Now, this is going to be a difficult question. The first service didn't do so good with it. I think you're going to do better. Are you in heaven? Someone said yes. I heard someone say yes. Okay, I know my preaching's fantastic. But it's not heaven. You are not in heaven right now. Okay, here another 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 question. Are you on earth? Okay, so much more confidence. I appreciate that. Yes, you are on earth right now. Here's the good news that he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. You're included in that. Let's keep reading verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Now, I don't need to ask anyone to raise their hand if they've ever had an evil thought. (laughs) Like, if my thought life was like a browser history, y'all would not want to see that, right? (laughs) But... We've all had evil thoughts, and we've all also, come on, let's be honest, we've all had evil actions as well. We've all done wrong things. So this is what separated us from God. We were his enemies. Verse 22, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Now, that's kind of weird language in his physical body. The reason why Paul, who's writing this letter to uh, the Colossians, said that is because there was a trendy theology that was going around um, in that area called Gnosticism. And one of the things they taught is that Jesus didn't actually come in a physical body. He was more like a, like a hologram or, or like an apparition. He was just... Moving throughout the earth. I, I know it's weird to us because, like, we aren't Gnostics, but that was kind of what they taught. 
And so Paul was like in his physical body, like he was a person, right? So that's why it's in there. He continues. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now, I need you to get this. Pay attention. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is incredible news. That's amazing. Now, first of all, it says that Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus has brought you into the presence of God. Now, here's the thing. You coming into God's presence wasn't your idea. It was his idea. It was his idea, and he made a way for it. So, and then, here's the cool thing. You would think, you know, if you were in the presence of like a mighty king or a person that knows every, the smartest person on the world, in the world, or like the most powerful person in the world, you came into their presence, you might be like a little nervous, right? Be like, like, don't hurt me, don't embarrass me, right? But we come into God's presence, and when we do, we are holy, blameless, as we stand before him without a single fault. Now, here's the thing. Do you have faults? Yeah, you do. I do too. We all do. But when we stand in God's presence, brought by the blood of Jesus, it's as if we've never sinned. We, it's as if we have no fault. Isn't that incredible? But... Verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. See, you're going to be tempted to stop believing this. You're going to be tempted. Maybe you got saved a long time ago. Maybe you had an encounter with God a long time ago. But you're going to be tempted to think, ah, you know, when I come into God's presence, ah, he's mad at me. When I come into God's presence, he's not pleased. We've got to hold fast to this idea. I often ask myself the question as I encounter people who who feel that the Lord's mad at them, why do so many people think that God's mad at them? Why do they think this? Where have they gotten that from? I'm going to give you two reasons this morning and maybe identify with one or, or both of these. And the first one is this. They think they will never measure up. They think they'll never measure up to to God's standard. They'll they'll never be good enough to be allowed into the presence of God. Well, let me just go ahead and answer that one for you. You don't measure up. Neither do I. That's why it's called grace. Maybe you grew up in church like I did. And and as a kid, you went to Sunday school and they had the little star chart. And if you brought your Bible, you got a gold star next to your name. Or if you memorize the scripture, you got a gold star next to your name. Your name. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. What happens, though, is that we, we feel like we're convinced by well-intentioned people that God gets happy based on our behavior. But God's already happy. He demonstrated his happiness when he sent his son to the cross on your behalf. And so as adults then, we're walking around trying not to make baby Jesus cry by how he acts. And we're still, hey, Lord, look at me today. Gold star, huh? And he's like, hey, you already got the gold star, man, when I sent Jesus to the cross. I'm already pleased. I've already made a way for you. So, yeah, of course you're not going to measure up. That's the point. 
Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. None of us measure up. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. I'm actually going to read 6 through 8 to you here. It says this. When we were utterly helpless. Now utterly, it's not just helpless. Right? If you say, well, that guy's helpless. You'd be like, wow. He's... (laughs) But utterly helpless. Like, you have no ability of your own. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. All right, put me in that category. If this makes me a bad person, I apologize. I'm not necessarily interested in dying for someone else. That's not like on my to-do list. Right? Even Oh, but Jamie, he's a good person. Will you please get mowed down by a car for him? No. I, I'm not interested. That's not a goal of mine, right? So I don't want to die. Since most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to do the right thing. He didn't wait. He said, no, no, no. I know what they're like. I'm going to die for them anyway. It's a very risky investment. It wasn't a sure bet. Before they even show any reciprocal love to me, I'm going to love them first. You know, people think that God is writing their name on the chalkboard. Any of you, you know, sometimes, probably not too hard for you to believe this, sometimes when I was in elementary school, the teacher occasionally would write my name on the board. (laughs) Anyone else? Okay, yeah, I know, uh uh-huh, exactly. I have people raising their hand, I'm like, yup. And then, if you mess up again, they go, bloop. And they put a little line next to you. I'm like, ooh, that's fun. I'm going to mess up again. Bloop, bloop. I want to see a cross, right? I want, I want to hit five in one day. Yeah, yeah. So the teacher would say, nah, Jamie, write your name on the board, right? So we think that, like, God's up in heaven doing that. And he's, like, looking at us. He's just waiting for an opportunity to check again your name on the board, Right? We think God's up there doing that, but that's not what we see in Scripture. God is not looking for opportunities to curse you because you're flawed. He's looking for opportunities to bless you because it is finished. We've got to change our minds to agree with how he sees us. He's not a smiting God. (laughs) You know, the Old Testament, where someone, God smites someone, I smiteth thee. And we see this today still. I mean, people are like, someone will lie and be like, oh, watch out for lightning. Like God's going to strike you with lightning for lying. Look, if that's what he did, we'd all be dead. We'd all be having smoke coming off of us, our hair standing straight up. Right? <laughs> He's not looking for a way to hurt you. I had a neighbor many years ago um, that had their house broken into. 
So I went over there just to kind of comfort them and be with them and say, hey, you're going to be all right. And the, the, one of the people in the family said, you know, I just can't help but think that God is punishing me for not going to church. And it was a very, very real guilt that they were feeling. But I just had such compassion. I just, I was like, wow, what? I mean, the internal thought process. I said, look, if God punished people for not going to church by having thieves break into their house, then everyone would have their house broken into, like on a regular basis. And they were like, oh, that's a good point. And so, you know, this, this mentality that God's mad at us and he's punishing us because we don't measure up, we've got to eradicate that thought process. It's not what Scripture teaches. God's love is greater than your ability to comprehend it. It's greater. You cannot wrap your head around it. Stop trying to understand it. Simply receive it. Now, the other reason a lot of people think that God is mad at them, besides the fact that they don't measure up, is that they they look at their imperfect circumstances and they say, well, if God wasn't mad at me, he wouldn't let all this happen. You ever thought that before? The dishwasher keeps breaking. The car won't crank. The house won't sell. The boss gives your promotion to his nephew. The marriage fails. The kid doesn't act right. And you think... Well, if God, God, if God must be mad at me, he's not stopping any of this stuff from happening. And my circumstances are trash. So evidently, God's just up there hating me and making my life miserable. I mean, come on, I know we've thought that. I know you've thought that at some point. But here's the thing. God actually warns us. Christ actually says in John 16, I have told you all this so that you might have peace. All right, here's some really peaceful information. You ready? Here on earth, you will have tribulations. New Living says trials and sorrows. Hey, congratulations. Jesus said it. I believe it. You're going to have trials and sorrows. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be problems. Now, many of them, let's be honest, are first world problems, right? My car won't crank. Well, you have two legs. Isn't that cool? But I mean, so, so we, we look at these imperfect circumstances and we think, oh my gosh, God must be mad at you. He says, in this world you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, be of good courage, because I have overcome the world. See, here's the thing. God has solved the problem. It's just not immediate. It's called heaven. Because there are no leaky dishwashers in heaven. There are no cars that won't crank in heaven. I don't think we're going to drive cars in heaven, although that'd be kind of cool. I think we're just going to float to you. Or maybe we can just appear to different, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll talk about this moment when we get there, and we'll, it'll be fun. But, but we can't look at our imperfect circumstances. Now, listen to this. The things that go wrong in this world are not an accurate reflection of how God feels about you. You need to get that in your heart. You need to understand that. You need to live it. When things go wrong in this world, it's not an accurate reflection of how God feels about you. His overcoming of the world is an accurate reflection of how he feels about you. Him making it, you, uh, giving you the option to come into his presence, 
through the blood of Christ. That's how he feels about you. Don't buy into the lie that because things are imperfect, that God's somehow mad at you. And he's like just this angry puppet master messing up your life. And haha, let's see how they respond now. That's not what we see in scripture. So, now, about this time, if you're one of the golden star children that grew up in church, you might be a little uncomfortable because you're thinking, well, gosh, God's not mad at me, but don't I still have to do good things? Don't I still have to act right? Yeah, of course you do. Absolutely. Just because God loves you, he has mercy on you, and he's not mad at you doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want to, right? So let me just, let me just balance this out for a second and say, look, this doesn't mean that God's not mad at sin or that you don't sin. Because I, you know, I met some people, God's not mad. They're like, yeah, God's not mad at me. I'm a good person. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. I don't know. It's not because of your own works or righteousness, your own ability to do good things that God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you because of what his son has done, right? Or some people will think, well, God's, you know, God's not mad at me. He's not really mad at anything. He's just like this really cool, like, surfer dude, big brother. Jesus is my homeboy in heaven. What's up, bro? Jesus loves me. Yeah. Gonna fill up my bank account. Make sure the air conditioning works in my car. No, no, no. That's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. That's not Holy Ghost. Okay? He... He does. He does love you. He does have a plan for you, but he, he do, there is judgment of sin. But Romans chapter 2, 4 through 6, check this out. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? One translation says, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Think about it. When you repented, when you changed your mind and changed your direction, started following Jesus, it wasn't because someone had made you feel bad enough. It, that doesn't last. Guilt and fear, they, they, they do motivate you for a little bit, but they, it's not long-term motivation. James says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can't, you can't like kick someone into the kingdom of God. You can't uh, discourage someone into the kingdom. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Keeps going, verse 5. But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger, some translations say wrath, is coming. When God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. So here's the thing. Does God judge sin? Yes. God hates sin. Why? Because it hurts you. He hates sin because it hurts you. Now, let me talk about how God judges sin. He does it in two ways. The first way is that every single sinful action has a built-in negative consequence. It, 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 it feels good for a season. It seems like a good thing. But built into that activity is a corresponding repercussion. And it starts off, and you're like, hey, this isn't bad. I don't know why they said don't do this in Scripture. And, but then the aftermath is brutal. Uh, the hair metal band Poison said it best. Every rose has its thorn. Built into every sin, it may smell like a rose. It may look great, but there are thorns attached. 
And so God judges each sin with its own natural consequence. But then, in addition, at the end of our lives, there will be a final judgment. We will give account. So here's the good news. Right now, there's, there's a moment of grace. There's a window of grace. There's an opportunity for repentance where, where, where you get to come to the Lord and say, hey, you take my sin. You take my shame. You take my guilt. You take these chains. You take these things that hurt me. And there's an opportunity now, but you can't wait too long because there is a reckoning. We will have to give account. And the good news is this. If you're a believer, you'll give account of your ministry, but you won't give account of your sin. Why? Because you don't have any. You don't have any. It's been cast as far as east is from the west. Do you all understand that? See, if you're found without Christ at the end of your life, you'll give account of your sin. But if you're found in Christ at the end of your life, you won't give account of your sin because Jesus already gave account for it. And so you'll give account of your ministry, of what you did with your freedom. So, so recognize that this doesn't mean, saying that God's not mad at you, it doesn't mean that God's not mad at sin. It doesn't mean that, 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 that God, uh, and it doesn't mean that you don't sin. It, what it means, what it means is that God has provided a plan for your sin. I don't know if, if many of you either have really young children or, or have had really young children, but I remember potty training days. I've repressed most of these memories. But I remember, you know, taking kids places and you just, and all of a sudden, oh, you're like running to a bathroom or whatever. I, I remember those days. And one of the things that Tiffany and I would do is, is that we would always bring like an extra change of clothes just in case there was an accident, right? Now, we didn't want an accident, we, 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 didn't, we hoped there wasn't an accident, but we had made plans in case there was an accident. In the same way, God has already planned for your mistakes. He brought an extra change of clothes. He brought grace just in case. And he said, hey, I've got them covered in case they have an accident. So, let me show you this. Romans Chapter 6, verse 5. Since we have been united with him, Christ, in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. See, the resurrection of Jesus is not just a historical thing that happens, although it is. It's also an opportunity that you get to be in on. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. Look, for some of you, Jesus needs to come down off the cross in your life. You see him up on the cross and you feel guilt and you feel shame. And you just, you've been taught that he's staring you down. And you did this, you did this. Look, Jesus willingly laid down his life. He says that in John 10 verse 18. He says, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. So anyone who's taught you to feel guilty about the death of Christ as if it was, it was your sin that put him there. In a way, but it was his decision. He did it on purpose before you even knew what sin was. So some of you, you need to take Jesus off the cross. He's not there anymore. Others of us, Jesus needs to wake up and get resurrected in your life. You have him dead and in the grave. 
See, the resurrection of Jesus is the power to change. It's the power to live the life that you're called to live. Some of y'all are still staying in the grave. And there's no victory over sin. And, and, and there's no power in your life. There's no purpose in your life. But resurrection is power. I want you to think of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus as this. Think of it as God's proposal to you. It's an invitation. He's saying, I've handled your sin issue. I'm not mad at you. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? And that's my question for you this morning as we end is, have you been living as if God were mad at you? Is there a part of your mind where you're just always in the back of your mind thinking, oh, God's going to get me for this one. Oh, he's not pleased with me today. Look, God revealed his heart for you through the cross of Christ. And he revealed his plans for you through the resurrection of Christ. He's calling you to overcome, to resurrect, to live a life filled with purpose, to walk in your calling, to walk in your specific destiny that he has for you. But you can't do that if you're just thinking that he's up there mad at you all the time. It's a lie from the enemy given to you to talk you out of following Christ. Keeping you afraid of the one that you're supposed to draw near to. Let's stand for prayer. Take a moment, if you will, close your eyes. We always like to respond to what the Lord's saying. It's not just information to know. We're to enter into relationship with him. With your eyes closed, internalize for a second. Think about the Lord. And just ask the Holy Spirit in your own words, under your breath, this question. Am I living like you're mad at me? You might just have a bounce back thought that immediately pops back up to you. That's probably the Holy Spirit. Am I living in guilt? Am I living in shame? Am I trying to please a God that's already pleased? Am I trying to pay for sin that's already been paid for? Now, in this moment, with everyone's eyes closed, as you're interacting with the Lord, I want to ask you a question. First of all, do you even know Jesus? I'm not asking, have you been to church before? I'm asking, have you begun a vibrant living relationship with an actual being who's alive and moving in your life? Have you ever gotten out of the driver's seat of your own life and say, I'm not in charge anymore. Jesus is in charge now. Have you ever said, have you ever surrendered your hopes and dreams to him? Has there ever been a point in time when you've said, from this moment forward, I'm following Jesus, and at the end of my life, I will simply follow him all the way into heaven? Have you ever made that decision? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to give you a hard time. I'm going to give you instructions later about what to, what to do. But if you've never made that decision, there's never been a point in time you can look back and say, that's when I chose to follow Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. Only I can see it. It's between you and the Lord. 
And it's letting me know that you need to come to him. Okay, I see you. Anyone else? Who else? Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hand down. In a moment, if you raise your hand, we're going to call the altar ministry team up. I want you to go to them, and they're going to lead you in a prayer. And you can know that you know that you know that you're his. For all of us, though, I want to lead you in a prayer. Where we recognize that God's not mad at us. And we choose to live in the freedom of relationship with the Son of God. If you will, pray this with me. Say, Father... I thank you for the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. I thank you that you've demonstrated that you're not mad at me. As a follower of Jesus, when I stand in your presence, I'm holy and blameless without a single fault. According to your word, So I receive it. Deliver me from fear. Set me free from sin. And empower me to live the life that you're calling me to live. I surrender myself to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Val, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.